It's just wonderful to be able to come into the house of God. There's nowhere like it. I, I would argue with anyone, there's nowhere like being with the Lord's people and being in this place of just a place of rest, a place of love and joy in the Lord. He's here. The Lord's here with us. He's promised. If there are two or more gathered, the Lord says, now there's my guarantee. You can know this morning that the Lord is here. His presence is with us because he has promised. And the Lord, I don't believe he's ever, ever, ever told a lie. And so this morning, I believe with all my heart he's here. And so this morning, isn't it wonderful that we can come into his presence that we can know his heart, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. Whatever you need is found in Christ here today. The Lord says that he will meet all our needs, not all our wants. There is a difference. We have lots of wants. But the Lord does promise he'll meet our every need. And if you have a need this morning, then I pray that you will leave here absolutely rejoicing. Because he promises that he will meet that. And so let's worship together. We're going to sing, this is, I know, it's a, it's a favourite of many of us, Praise the Lord. It's taken from Psalm 134. It's Ian White's version. So we're going to stand to sing. We'll, we'll sing it twice through. So, but let's stand as we sing in our first hymn, Praise the Lord.
let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. O oh, our gracious and eternal God, your power is beyond comprehension. We can't even begin to understand, Lord, your amazing grace and mercy. But oh, how we rejoice in the greatness of your love and that love in Christ. And so help us never to doubt you, but to trust in your ability to restore and to redeem. Lord, help us to have such unwavering faith, even in the midst of our weakness. Lord Jesus, in laying down your life, you took our sin, our guilt, our shame. And through your resurrection, you've brought forgiveness, cleansing, healing, deliverance. You bring renewal, restoration, and resurrection life. And so, Lord, fill us anew. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Renew our lives. Bring refreshing. And Holy Spirit, yes, we confess our sins. We've fallen short of the glory of God, we know. And we acknowledge that we often grieve you. Oh, help us. Help us to keep in step with you. That you would inhabit our praise and our prayers. Holy Spirit, help us as we seek to live a godly life. Empowered with your presence. And so, Lord, transform our lives as we desire to serve you. And to bring glory to your name alone. And so we thank you for your word. For it brings light to our understanding. And sanctifying joy to our hearts. And help us to live it out. As we pray all these things. In Jesus' sweet and precious name. And Lord, as we pray in Jesus' mighty name. We share in the Lord's prayer praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we take our Bible reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, there in chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. I must go on boasting. Although, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. Was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things. Things that no one is permitted to tell. 
I will boast about a man like that. I will, bo- I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. We, we looked, before I went off on holiday, we looked at the first of the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit. But I felt I would love just to unpack that a wee bit more, but through the Apostle Paul. Because Paul himself teaches that very doctrine. And here we find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And especially there in verses 8 to 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it, should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, I love that. Here's Paul. He began the church there in Corinth. He was there in day one. He saw the church growing. He was encouraged, seeing the Lord's people thriving in the Spirit, moving in the power of God. He saw God inhabit the praises of his people there in Corinth. Oh, things took off. They saw wonderful miracles, signs and wonders. Oh, everything was happening in Corinth. But you know, it didn't take too long before they got a, a bit full of themselves. Oh, they, yes, they saw God at work. But you know, as soon as God began to work in Corinth, oh, the devil began to work too. And the flesh began to work. People thought that they could do it now. They were the, the great heroes. They would be the great heroes of the faith now. And so they began to rely on their own abilities and their own strength. And they would have these speakers who would come in, the preachers would come in to Corinth, and oh, they would be eloquent. Oh, they, were, they had such charisma. And oh, they, oh, they'll draw a crowd. They'll draw a crowd. And eventually the church at Corinth began to look at outward power. They, they were, it was like the world. How the world values power and wealth and health. And oh, they elevate all these things. And that's why today we have the prosperity gospel. Often, maybe some of you have heard about the prosperity gospel. You become a Christian, you'll become financially rich. You just name it and claim it. You go down to the local garage and claim your, your Porsche. 
and the Lord will give it. He promises. No, he does not. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches. But you know, there were some in Corinth who, who had that thinking. Oh, they could just name it and claim it. Oh, they could do everything. And oh, they would get to the most, I don't want to say charismatic, because I know that words come into such bad terminology nowadays. But yes, they had a charisma that was of themselves. But you know, it wasn't really in the spirit. There wasn't much of the spirit. It was, it was much of themselves. And so Paul writes a severe letter to them to correct them, to bring them and draw them back to Christ. And he reminds them of Christ, how in his poverty he made us rich in the gospel. And so Paul continually draws the church at Corinth, he reminds them, look at Jesus. Don't be looking at the world for your eloquence and your power and oh, if you've got a, a wonderful church that looks amazing and that's better than the nightclub down the road that people will come to your church rather than the local nightclub because you've got more attractions going on, you've got better entertainment. Oh, if you have that, then oh, you'll draw the crowds. Paul says, no, look at Christ. Look at his poverty. Look at his, how poor in spirit he was. Look at how he relied on his father. He was lowly of heart. He was humble. Now that's the ministry I want to follow. But you know, as Paul wrote to that church, some of them thought, what right has he got to tell us what to do? You know, that, that was their heart. What right has he got to tell us? We know the Bible better than him. Oh, we could teach him. Look at him. He's poor. He struggles financially. He, he's not even very attractive. And when he preaches, it's, it's not very powerful. He doesn't have the flowery language that our preachers have here at Corinth now. Oh, we're far above that. Do you really want to go back to following Paul? And, and look, he's, he's suffering. He, God can't be pleased with him. Surely, if Paul was really moving in the power of God, if he was appointed, if he was one of God's appointed men, surely he would be a bit more attractive and he'd be a bit more powerful in his preaching. He would have more eloquence. And then they began to think, well, if Paul himself doesn't look that attractive, how could God be attracted to him and his ministry? Now that's how some thought. They thought, obviously, because Paul's not very, he doesn't have an attractive ministry. It looks very low-key. He doesn't have big, massive choirs following him. He doesn't have a mega church. He doesn't have the most up-to-date PowerPoints. He doesn't have clicking here and clicking there. He, he doesn't have anything that's so oh, flashy. Surely God wouldn't come to that church of Paul's. Surely ch the Lord wouldn't be attracted to a church that's just small and struggling and just trying to plod on, seeking the heart of God, but... Oh, they don't seem to have much outward success. And you know, many people will look at churches 
And they'll think, oh, well, the Lord's obviously not going to bless that church. Look, it's, it's not high power. How are they going to attract any of the local community? Well, Paul now writes, and he tells them, Oh, look to Christ. He said, I am actually going to boast more and more about how poor I am, about how weak I am. I'm going to boast in my sufferings. And so Paul here now begins in this latter part of the letter, in verses 10 to 13 of 2 Corinthians. Paul is going to set out a challenge. And he's going to show us what really attracts God. Is God attracted to your church? Is God attracted to your life? Do you think God is attracted to you this morning? That he just wants to be with you? Do you feel attractive to the Lord? Well, that's the challenge that Paul makes to the church. He said, forget about all the externals. Forget about all the flamboyance and the eloquence and all the things that we think will draw the world. He said, look, I'll tell you what the Lord says. This is what the Lord is attracted to. This is what he loves the most. And we'll see in the Old Testament, and Paul brings, will bring it out here into the New Testament. He said, first of all, he said, God is attracted to weakness. Did you get that? Verse 8, sorry, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God is attracted to weakness. Where there is weakness, the Lord says, oh, I want to be there. The Lord is attracted to weakness. Because there, where there is weakness, God can put his strength on display. Because see where there's eloquence and power and we think what we've made and we've got it all together. Then guaranteed, the world will see how strong you are. The world will say, oh, that's a strong character. Do you know this? She went through all that or he went through that. And oh, they're, you know, they're obviously, they've got a strong character. But oh, see when you see weakness. See when someone's broken. When someone just feels that they've had it, where they feel as if they're just empty, they feel poor in spirit, where they're totally just broken. They feel that God could not possibly be attracted to them. Oh, see, when, they, when you are in a place of weakness, God says, oh, I love being there. I want to be with them. Remember what the psalmist said? And Isaiah emphasizes it too. It's those of a broken heart, those who are contrite in heart, those who are broken, who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who know what it is to feel weak, where things seem out of control, where they don't feel as if they can sort their own lives out. How can I ever sort anyone else's life out? How can I help in the church when I can't even sort my own life? And you know, many feel like that. But oh, the Lord... Paul reminds us, oh, God loves those who are weak, those who are brokenhearted, those who feel their lives are just at rock bottom. You feel unloved. You feel uncared for. You feel as if, who's bothering with me? 
and you just feel that coldness and you just feel, Lord, it's just me. I have to look after number one and Lord, I can't even look after number one. Lord, I just feel so hopeless, so helpless. I feel so weak. Well, Paul's got good news. Paul preaches the gospel and he said, oh, I'm going to boast in this gospel. God is attracted to weakness. Don't forget that. Because when you feel weak, when you feel empty, when you feel low, when you feel so discarded and so despairing, <coughs> we're told that then God will put his strength on display. See, when you feel weak and then God comes and he's attracted to you and he begins to touch your heart again and you feel his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, where you feel the Spirit of God filling you again, guaranteed you will leave that experience saying that was God <laughs> that's God's strength that's his power <coughs> and it's in weakness that we see God's power see when you see a church that's struggling when the world points and says oh that church that's going to die the church of Scotland it'll die all the, the, in fact, the, the church in Scotland is going to die one day because, oh, their numbers are declining. They're struggling to find ministers. They have to, they have to unite to all these buildings and they have to sell off other buildings and they have to do this and do that. Oh, but you know this? God is attracted to weakness. He sees the struggling church. Do you think God gives up on a struggling church? He does not. I believe with all my heart we're going to see the power of God on display in a time of weakness in the church's life. When I look now at church history, when revival came, it was in a time of weakness. Many churches were vacant at the time. When the revivals came, churches were struggling to call a minister. And even their own <coughs> members and elders, some of them didn't know what to do. And so some services turned to prayer meetings. They thought, well, we can pray, we can't preach. But you know, God came in power. And we call it revival. Revival. Well, God has always been attracted to weakness. And today, if you feel weak, can I encourage you? God is so attracted to you this morning. Yes, he loves you. Even with all your brokenness, with all your history, with all your past regrets, with all your past sins, and even your present sins. And dare I say it, even your future sins. Oh, God looks at you. He is so attracted to you and to me. Isn't that good news? Paul says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Yes, the Christian life to the world, it's going to look like a weak life. A life that looks so weak. Remember what Jesus said? That we're to carry our cross. Disciples are those who carry a cross. Paul says too that we, we are to die daily. We're to know that death to self. And so, the Christian life is a crucified life. It doesn't look all glamorous. The Christian life is a crucified life. And when you look at 
Jesus who was crucified for us, who gave himself for us. That's what the Christian life looks like. One who gives themselves to others. Even in all our weakness, Paul actually wrote earlier in, in this very letter, <clears throat> he talks about how it's the poor, the weak Christian, is the one who gives the most. He says those who give financially the most are often the poorest. It's those who don't have much often give the most. And Paul says that in this very letter. And he said, that's a crucified life. A life that's been forgiven much is going to be a life that forgives others much. Remember the woman caught in adultery? Jesus showed her such love. And as she was filled with the love of Jesus, as she was forgiven and had known the mercy of God, suddenly she became the most forgiving, the most loving, the most merciful Christian you had ever met. And that ought to be the life that we live. When we, are, when we know that we are weak, boy, we are rich. We are rich in Christ. Because as we decrease, as we die daily to ourselves, he will increase in our life. The world will see more of Jesus than more of us. And that's what we want. We want the world to see not a, a, a flamboyant, amazing church with all the lights, although that might be nice, and I'm not knocking that. If, you, if, if the church gets all the modern technology and everything else that goes with it and crowds come, now that's a bonus, but that's not the goal. <laughs> and oh, I would rather see a church filled with weakness than having a church filled with all the, the greatest powerful things that you'd ever seen. Now the Lord said, you know, when we seek first his kingdom, when we seek Christ in all our weakness, everything else will be added anyway. We don't need to worry about anything else. These things will be added to us. But we don't elevate these other things up in the hope of attracting God in the hope of attracting the Lord to our prayer times. Oh, Lord, if I can show you how good I am, if I can show you how godly I am, Lord, if I read more of the Bible today, if I pray more, Lord, oh, surely you'll come to me. Do you know, it's actually when you feel, Lord, I haven't prayed today. I've been struggling in my Bible reading. I, I just feel that I keep losing my concentration. Lord, how, how could you possibly want to be with me today? I just feel I've messed up my, my Christian walk recently. You know, it's actually not you trying to do more. That doesn't attract the Lord anymore. It's actually you there in all your failure. That's what attracts the Lord. When a life just repents, where, he, where a life knows that we've fallen, we've sinned, we've fallen short of his glory. Oh, when we are in that place of weakness, we often turn to the Lord, don't we? And the Lord is attracted to weakness. I remember hearing of this church. Some of you probably have watched it online. And it is a, a wonderful church, and it does have thousands. But, you know, I, I love the, the testimony of that church. Although today, if yes, they've got up to, I think it's about 10,000 come to their services. It's an amazing church. And their pastor, he shares what happened when that church just changed overnight. He said, we were a congregation of 20. He said, we had 20 members in our church. And he said, I'd been preaching the gospel in that church for many years. And he said, we had an old lady who played the piano. 
So that's all we had. And we, and we would sing the, these great redemption hymns. And I said, but you know, I looked out one night on that congregation and I felt like giving up. I thought, Lord, we're, we're seeing nothing. He said, all he could see was weakness and despair. And he just cried in prayer. He just said, Lord, I'm giving up. I can't pastor this small church anymore. I, I, I would love just to see growth. I would love to see, oh, just the life and oh, what other churches are seeing. And so he went to prayer. And he was about to, uh, I think he was also about to forgive his congregation that he was going to leave. <laughs> but do you know this? Before he got to that place, he just prayed. And then his wife began to sing that hymn, Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. And you know, as the congregation began to sing, the presence of God came in. That 20, over the next coming weeks, became hundreds. And over the years, and up till today, there, I believe they're about 10,000 strong, if not more. And I think they've got multiple services that they have to have there in New York. Amazing testimony. And the pastor himself will tell you that God is attracted to weakness. And you will see his strength on display where there's weakness. Doesn't that bring us hope? Does that not encourage your heart? And I have to confess, I've never felt like that though. I've never felt like, oh Lord, I want to leave. Not one bit. Because I know in weakness, God will perfect his strength. And I know Alan's been sharing from 1 Samuel. And you know, when I think of Hannah, you know, and her baby, Samuel, you know, she prayed in weakness. She herself felt weak. <clears throat> and she prayed. She went to God in prayer with all her weakness and God blessed her. Oh, he was attracted to it. But I want you to also notice, and I'm going to just run through these quickly. We're not going to linger long on these ones, but notice what else God is attracted to. Yes, he's attracted to weakness, but verse 10 also reminds us that God is also attracted to contentment. Paul says, I am content with weaknesses. Can you say that? I am content with weaknesses. <coughs> Lord, when I suffer, when I go through the storms and trials of life, Lord, I am content with you. I'm content knowing that you are in control, that you're sovereign. Lord, I'm content with the sovereignty of God. Lord, I'm content with sufferings. In fact, I'll boast about my weaknesses. I'll boast about my sufferings. Lord, I don't mind. I am so content because I have you. If I have you, Lord, with me, and if I know that in all my weakness you are so attracted to me, Lord, that's worth more than all the riches in the world. And so here, Paul, yes, he can say, I am weak. But he can also say, but I am also content, even with my weaknesses. Even with all that's going on right now, Lord, I'm content with you. 
I might not be content with those around me. I may not be content with my church or my minister or whoever. I may not be content with my MP or my prime minister or whatever. There's many we feel that we're not content with, but oh, Paul could say, but I'm content with the Lord. Even when the world is in a mess and when things go wrong and when people rise to power who who just seem so corrupt. We see it in nations where leaders rise to power and they're so corrupt. Paul can say, do you know this? Despite what's going on in the world, I'm content with the Lord. I love him. And I know that the God of all the earth will do right. God knows what he's doing. And I am content knowing that God knows. I don't know my future, but God knows. And I know I can trust him with every day, every moment, my every health issue, my every worry, my every anxious thought. I know, Lord, I'm content in trusting you. When I look at my situation, when I look at my health, when I look at my lack of finances, when I look at my struggles, Lord, I I don't feel content. But oh, when I look at you, I'm content even in the midst of all this mess. That's where Paul was. God, yes, he's attracted to weakness, but he's also attracted to hearts that are content, even in weakness. Are you content with your weaknesses? Or are you often like me, where we can get frustrated? We get annoyed with ourselves? Well, just in closing, can I also mention... The third thing Paul says that attracts God is, of course, prayer. Paul reminds us, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. There was a thorn in the flesh of Paul. Something was irritating him. Something was distracting him from time to time. Something was just drawing his thoughts, his attention continually. This thorny issue, whatever it was, some believe it was his eyesight, others believe it was a person, but whatever it was, that thing that can often just draw our attention away from the Lord, Paul said, I've had this thorn, this irritant, this thing that's just annoyed me. Paul says, I pleaded, I prayed, Three times I I went to the Lord about this. Lord, will you not remove this thorn? I hate this thing that just draws me away, that keeps, oh, it just keeps annoying me. And Paul tells us that, do you know what the Lord just said to me? My grace is sufficient for you. Will you just be happy? Will you be content today? There are maybe things that are irritating you right now. The Lord says, how would you like just to know my grace? How would you like to know just your heart, your mind, just filled with undeserved love and mercy? How would you like just to overflow this morning content with my grace? You know, and I know, I don't deserve God's love or mercy or his power. I don't deserve the Lord to fill me right now with his Holy Spirit to overflow. I don't deserve any of that. But oh, his grace is sufficient for me. His undeserving mercy, his undeserving 
attitude of grace. Oh, Lord, I would be content with that. If I could leave here today just knowing, Lord, you really do care about me. You really love me. That you really have my future on your heart. That I can really trust you with everything. That I can really know my heart, my sins forgiven. That I know that my past has been dealt with. Oh, Lord, can I really just trust you with that today? If I could, Lord, I would be so blessed. And the Lord says, oh, my grace will be sufficient for you. Just knowing that you can rest in the grace of God. Let him pour his love, his joy, his mercy into your weakness, into your regrets, into your brokenness, into your disappointments, into your discouragements. Oh, will you let the grace of God just pour and that he would fill you with his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, God is attracted to weakness. He's attracted to a contented heart. But oh, he's contented to prayer. He loves to see his people on their knees, pleading daily, praying every moment. Remember how through prayer, Peter escaped prison? It was through prayer that our home shook there in Jerusalem. The walls shook with the presence of God. Through prayer. We're told that through prayer and fasting, demons will leave. Through prayer, we're told that the plans of Satan were frustrated. Isn't that lovely? Through prayer, Jesus said, we can bind the strong man and spoil his goods. We can rob of Satan's souls through prayer. We can pray our families, our loved ones, into the kingdom pleading with the Lord, oh Lord, save a soul. Oh, may Satan be bound in all that he's trying to do with my grandchildren, with my children, with my family, how he's leading them astray. Lord, I pray that you would just bind that Satan, that dragon of old, and Lord, may I spoil his goods today. Lord, may I rob Satan of my child, my grandchild, my loved one, my neighbor, Lord, that person I met who was struggling with drugs, that person I met in the street who was there begging for money, Lord, I pray that you would bind the evil one and that he would be one for Christ, that she would just be brought into the kingdom. Oh, that we would spoil his goods, that we will see souls won. We can do that through prayer. God's timing. Oh, we can see many souls come. And so, as I close, when I was thinking this week about the Welsh revivals and the great awakenings there in America and the Hebridean revivals, and especially there, Cambus Lang and Kilsyth, the revivals there. And then when I was reading about the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, I was thinking of all these revivals and, you know, I was thinking, Lord, do you know what was at the heart of all these revivals? At the core of all these revivals, there was weakness. There was a contentment and there was prayer. And you came and you showed up with such power. Today, if you're weak and you're content with that weakness and you're praying, oh, I believe you are going to see God's strength put on display on your life and in the life of the church. 
Oh, let's pray to that end. And so can we have just a quiet time? I'm going to let you just pray for yourselves. Will you go to the Lord yourself in all your weakness and just have your own quiet time? And then I know Billy's going to lead us in our intercessory prayers. And then we'll close together. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Though the earth's foundations shake, driving wind or raging sea, neither death nor life can take my Redeemer's love for me. Father, we thank you for those words and we thank you that your love is constant and that you love us in our weakness. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you, Lord, that you can calm the strongest storm. And Lord, even though we don't always see it with our human eyes, Lord, you are working in the background. That you are working, your Holy Spirit is moving. Lord, we pray for our own families just now, Lord. We think of those who, who don't know you. And Lord, we ask for we ask for you to send someone alongside them. We ask that you will share your love with them. Help us to be a witness to them without pushing it down their throat. Just by the way we live our lives. But we pray for our sons and our daughters our husbands, our wives, our grandchildren, those that don't know you, Lord. And we ask for a revival, Lord. We ask you to move through this land, that people will rise up in their weakness and be bold for you. Lord, we need your love. And Lord, I remember that there's a line in a song, give us a fresh understanding of love that is real. Lord, we need to feel your love. Lord, we pray for the troubled areas in our planet. Lord, we think particularly of the situation in the Ukraine. We pray for the families in the Ukraine who are fearful at this time. Lord, again, may there be a move of your Holy Spirit in that country, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those who are unwell at this time. We pray for those who are unable to come to church because of illness or because they're unable to get out. Lord, we ask for a special blessing upon them. And for those listening to the service, Lord, we ask you to, to bless them too. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, to take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. And Lord, we thank you for Scott and, and Tony and their family, Lord, who have been with us for 20 years now, Lord. And we thank you for their service. We thank you for their obedience to you, and for their service to the congregation. And Lord, we ask you to bless them all now, Lord. Lord, give them a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. 
as they continue to serve us. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can we sing in our closing hymn, Oh, for a closer walk with God. And I'll let you stand as we sing in our closing hymn. So may grace, mercy and peace from God our Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.